0: Listening to the Hooked On Learning podcast, where we discuss all things related to continuous improvement. And now to your host, Jesse Markov. All right, everybody, welcome back to, uh, to the podcast Hooked On Learning. Uh, today, we're going to cover really the challenges and expectations, along with the approaches for a successful transition um, to the role of company officer. Along the way, obviously, meeting challenges and expectations. Um, are really important, and basically, we're going to discuss today the approaches for a successful transition to the role as the company officer. The first thing you realize is, that as a company officer, you have so many hats that you uh, really have to wear. and And the three main roles that we're going to operate in as a company officer are as a supervisor, a subordinate. And as a public servant, and we have to make sure that we're diversifying our portfolio, so to speak, to make sure that we are progressing in our growth in each one of those roles. As a supervisor, it's no secret that the fire and uh, emergency response society as a whole is a very close-knit operation. Um, We are paramilitary, but we are also para-family, meaning everybody in this field needs to learn how to get along with others and be a productive member um, of our shift, both at the station and out of the station. Now, it, obviously, units will look to the company officer as their supervisor in order to make a decision, and those decisions should provide them with motivation and satisfaction, as well as maximize performance in the workplace. As a company officer, there are so many functions that we need uh, to fill, whether it's providing leadership, acting as a role model, giving advice, providing representation for, uh, for the shift members to the administration as a, as a representative in a command meeting, or seeking to resolve interpersonal conflicts, which includes applying counseling and coaching when necessary, and uh, obviously directing work and ensuring readiness. All of these things need to be done as that supervisor, and those functions need to occur continuously, and sometimes they may conflict with one another uh, based on the nature of our work. But most importantly, uh, we need to ensure the safety and the effectiveness of our personnel. And, uh, you know, the best way to, to keep things safe is to keep things smart. And being safe really begins with being smart. And along the way, as a company officer, you're going to have a lot of plates spinning. And you need to be able to balance those um, with acceptable risk and calculated risk while minimizing and eliminating unnecessary risk in order to fulfill all these objectives as a supervisor. Uh, because that's just one of the hats that we wear as a company officer. The other hat that we wear as a company officer is as a subordinate. So new company officers are both a supervisor and subordinate, as well as as company officers who have been around for a while. And uh, not only as a subordinate are you responsible for your for your actions, but you're responsible for your um, your shift's actions and your crew's actions um, while you're on duty. Administratively, um, you know, the expectations on the officer are to supervise and to complete all of those other duties as assigned, and not only to complete them, um, but to complete them well in a way that, uh, that is constructive. Now, the expectation is also to represent administration and ensure compliance with policies and rules and regulations. And sometimes this can be the difficult part of, of the uh, process in becoming a company officer. But this is an important piece of it, and this is why that balance is so important. And as a subordinate, sometimes that means that you have to execute um, the orders from a superior officer or enforce orders that others perceive to be as unpopular or unfair. Um whether it's a policy or or, or a uh, procedure or some new order, those things um, have to be enforced even when they're not popular. The other part of this is it's important, important to not publicly question or criticize uh, administration because it does provide a negative example for subordinates and, and for peers. Naturally, there will be uh, times where Negativity is involved, and it's important to, to get that feedback and to provide that feedback constructively uh, in a way that discusses the criticisms and uh, different questions that may arise, but it's importantly to do that privately with administration and not just uh, sneak up and, and uh, basically uh, attack people publicly or criticize them publicly. The last hat we're really going to talk about in this chapter is that of a public servant. So company officers uh, are members, oftentimes are the members of that unit uh, that have the most direct or the initial contact with the public. And a lot of times that occurs during a crisis, but that's not the only time it should occur. Public education um, opportunities really do provide the mechanism for the company officer to lead by example. And a lot of times we... As, as a fire service in general, our culture is to send who across the hallway to do this? Is it the senior guy? Is it the highest ranking person? Now, typically we're sending the newest or the most junior, right? Juniority is in full effect here. Person over to lead that public education uh, session. And by the as, as a company officer, you should be that representative to the public, the conduit to connect from the fire uh, department back to um, the general public, and that really really is the mechanism for providing that first positive impression, not only with the public, but also with your crews, because your crews will appreciate um, the initiative and the the leadership behind something as simple as just introducing the person who they'll be working with um, during their time at the fire department. Another reason it's important to understand the role of a public servant is oftentimes the entire organization may be judged through its company officer. That means the crew, that means uh, the shift that'll be working tomorrow, and the shift work yesterday. We're all only as good as our last performance. And when things are performing well, great, more power to you. But sometimes uh, there's an opportunity for a little bit of a tune-up, uh, and, and to make sure that we are indeed um, achieving things at the highest possible level. These first impressions are crucial and uh, because of that we really need to understand and ensure that our crew understands the as Public Servants as well because they are an extension of the, of the fire department, they're an extension and a reflection of your leadership and of your motivation uh, and your supervisory skills as well. And along the way it is actually absolutely imperative that we apply these customer service concepts to maintain a positive public, public, to maintain a positive public perception in everything that we do, and breaking down some of those barriers and those preconceived notions of of uh, maybe how firefighters, in particular, uh, spend their time, whether it's the the myth of playing cards or sleeping and waiting around for a run to come in, um, these are important things for us to uh, to communicate with the general public when we have the opportunity. Um, also. Uh, Kind of the third point behind being a public servant is the fact that as the company officer, you will be held accountable in some way, shape, or form, not through discipline. Um, That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about you representing and taking ownership of the things that occur while you are on duty. And sometimes uh, when, when service is delivered in a way that doesn't meet the external customer's needs, it's, it's a good opportunity to provide some coaching or counseling in terms of how we're going to meet um, the expectation of the public. You know, sometimes the public expectation is right on, and sometimes the public expectation is nowhere near uh, what is reasonable or realistic. But to sum this up, uh, fire departments should absolutely be customer service oriented, and that doesn't matter. Uh, what your rank or what your role is on the organization, it means that we are all focused on one thing. And that is providing a service that, regardless of our personal views, may very well be occurring on somebody's worst day in their life. And with that, we have to always wear that hat of a public servant, whether it's a phone ringing in the station or uh, a request when we get on scene. That is our job. To serve the public. The next thing we're, we're going to talk about is is the transition into the role of the company officer. You know, and as a company officer, you must learn and apply new concepts to meet the challenges that face you. Leadership um, as a company officer applying leadership is more than a buzzword or a question in an interview. It's your job to ensure safe effective and efficient unit operation. And this all has to be done in an ethical manner. Uh, and when we're talking about ethics, we're saying that you as the company officer need to be the role model to subordinates, to your peers, and to the public. Because when we're providing supervision, it can be di- you could be in a difficult position of moving from supervised to supervising while still being supervised by higher officers. And that's why as a company officer, A lot of times we're spending our time as subordinates, most of our time, especially for the purposes of the quizzes, right, Uh, we want to make sure we're all on the same page with that because it's a sad day um, when we get things wrong on the test. Now, as a company officer, the notion that things only flow downhill is 100% false. Um, That is nothing more than a myth. The reality is, as a company officer, you accept more responsibility, not just for your own actions, but for the actions of subordinates. And you have the authority to make sure that people are upholding um, the, the values of our organization, professionalism, public outreach, and continuous, uh, continuous improvement. And it's your job to make sure that that is applied in a fair manner um, that is, again, reasonable and realistic for the people that you are working with and the people that you are working for. And, and throughout time, a new company officer uh, will understand that these relationships are changing, right? You've gone from a unit member to a unit leader, meaning by definition, your peers have become your subordinates. What I'd like to offer you is a little bit of a, a rewind on that concept, because when you play it again, you might hear something different. As the company officer, you're going to experience relationship changes from unit member to unit leader, which really means you continue to be a subordinate because you are serving the most important people in our organization. And that is the people on the front lines, the people who are doing the work, the people who are carrying the flag on people's worst days and and really advancing the best interests of our organization. Because without these people, our organization is nothing our return to spontaneous circulation is zero. Our, uh, the amount of fire loss that we reduce is zero. The positive message back to the public is zero. So it is important to remember that as you continue to be promoted, that the role of subordinate is absolutely the first role that we should embrace because we are working for the people um, that we serve. They are not working necessarily for us. So hopefully everybody can um, understand that concept. Hopefully everybody agrees that that is true. Um, And and in terms of feedback, what do we think? What you just said is articulate, it is intelligent, and it is logical. Thank you. To me, that makes sense. Um, But it's one of those things that we have to make sure as those relationships are changing that we're always, always in tune with our shift and that we display excellent interpersonal skills um, with the people that we're working with and that we apply the right leadership to the right situation. When we're responding to an emergency, we have a lot of things going on. That is non-discretionary time. We have to give directions. We need to be decisive. We need to respond quickly. There is no time for questioning or objecting. Being on an incident scene is not a time to uh, To institute a a democratic leadership style or democratic decision-making process, we should listen and and address and anticipate safety concerns and safety issues. But the very nature of this business is that we handle some ultra-dangerous, unavoidably hazardous hazardous, um, situations, and it's our job to provide order to those situations. And as a company officer, you have that ability to engage that situation and, uh, and make those decisions and put people in a position to be successful. Now, fire service-wise, there's so many different models of delivery. There's volunteer fire departments, combination fire departments, industrial fire departments. And um, that exchange of supervisory roles may occur when switching from routine work to emergency response. And during those times that mutual respect is really crucial, especially as we're working with other organizations and, uh, you know, everybody, all parties involved um, need to be able to recognize change when we're on the emergency scene and be able to react accordingly within the command structure and within our policies and procedures to make sure um, we're handling that incident the way it should be handled at all times, not just at the beginning, but throughout the call. Now, when we move into a new position, um, naturally there's a, a fair amount of change uh, that is that is taking place, which means as as a new officer you will be perceived differently. Uh, so people say perception is reality, and frankly, until proven otherwise, that is 100% true. So perceptions by nature are very subjective and based off of that perception it may be very difficult to overcome what your perception is and the best way to overcome a perception is to figure out what your perception actually is and that's done through uh, honest self-reflection and honest um, acceptance of what others have to say. Now as a company officer sometimes or just as a human in general, we may expect former relationships uh, to allow for different privileges or freedoms from policies or freedoms from enforcement. And as a company officer, this is where things can get difficult because we start making exceptions. Uh, and those exceptions um, basically become the rule versus the exception. And people are justified and right to question why these exceptions are made when they're hold to a different standard than one of their, one of their uh, peers is held to. And sometimes as that company officer, you need to accept the responsibility and take more of an authoritarian approach um, to establish those relationships and, and to prevent those things from occurring. Because frankly, the unit will suffer without the appropriate level of supervision and understanding of this new relationship now that you've been promoted to a different position. Granted, that doesn't mean pointing and tapping on your badge all the time uh, because that is perhaps the quickest way uh, to lose the respect of your peers before you even have time to develop it. Along the way, we spend a lot of time talking about groups and dynamics, and there's going to be a lot of changes to group um, dynamics. And, you know, there's a couple things uh, pitfall-wise that we want to avoid. One is, as a new officer, if you attempt to duplicate the personality or behavior of a, pre, a previous officer, sometimes you know that can create resentment or just a general lack of respect. You are your own person. You have your own leadership styles, your own strengths, your own weaknesses, and it's up to you to balance those things and to improve those things. And you know, sometimes as a company officer, we want to hit the ground running and really you know uh, go all out in, in our uh, role and responsibility, and we try to make these sweeping changes. And a lot of times those sleeping changes are unsuccessful and it might cause that crew to suffer. So when you're, when you're going to institute a change, we want to do it incrementally and gradually. And we want to know where we're going and want to take that to a ceiling. So to do that, we need to verbalize our personal expectations. We need to establish priorities and, and really importantly, we need to listen to the crew and to their expectations. And we need to understand the differences within our crew, within our shift, as it relates to the experience level, their education, generational factors, which is a whole other thing we'll talk about it in a later podcast. Uh, when we talk about generational differences, there tends to be a lot of finger pointing and a lot of things that are uh, frankly misapplied. The fifth concept we're going dis- to discuss here is this transition, transition into um, the company officer our personal factors or personal changes. As a company officer, we may may need to make personal changes to avoid these transitional problems. That means we need to commit to our responsibilities and our duties and all the requirements of this new supervisory position, and part of that is showing loyalty um, in the appropriate uh, forum. So loyalty back to the organization, loyalty back towards our personnel, and uh, we really need to act as that liaison between the unit and the management structure in a way that facilitates the progression of the department. And, uh, you know, again, with that mission statement in mind and continuous improvement, it's important that we're supporting all types of education, both educational opportunities that occur at the station, not educational opportunities that occur out of the station as well. Um, And there's so many different ways that we can train uh, through our discretionary time, whether it's it's imparting um, some different information we've received from uh, from the USAR team or from the hazmat team, or yeah, even as a drone pilot or a robot operator, right? These are really important things uh, that we can pass on in a way that is constructive and fun and motivating. Now, as a as a company officer, so you're fulfilling the role of a supervisor, and you're fulfilling the role as a leader, which we're going to talk about um, in in later podcasts. Here, it's important to guard those conversations. So. People will say praise in public and, uh, and criticize or counsel in private, and that's important because we're not there to dishonor a person, and we're not there to dishonor a position, and we're certainly not there to bring dishonor upon the organization. So when we're doing those things, it's also important that we don't react emotionally and that we don't become such a short fuse that we actually start disclosing confidential information as it relates to somebody's background or private life. Or, uh, or, or somebody's medical condition. Uh, that's not how we do things. So what we need to do as a leader is we need to accept criticism graciously. Yep, that's what I said, accept criticism graciously. That means we can also accept praise and any honors that are, are, are sent your way and that we need to be modest and humble in, in how we lead by example because that is exactly what we're doing. We are leading by example. And uh, that means rolling up your sleeves and being part of the solution, not just pointing out everybody's problems. Um, And those are things that really helped you to project a positive professional image. That concludes today's podcast on the challenges of the company officer. Be sure to tune into the next episode where we discuss managing the expectations placed upon the company officer with a special guest, Lieutenant Jason Hendry. Thank you for listening to I hope Learning Podcast. Until next time, be smart.